AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Friday, February 2nd. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A big weekend in college hoops. Plus, we have the Suns playing tonight. Bob, the Pro Bowl is on Sunday. Yeah, flag football, huh? <laughs> Great. Yep. I miss I missed the big what was that thing called yesterday that I missed? Oh, it was the skills challenge. Oh, okay. Darn shoot heck. Did you watch the skills challenge? How, how so was I that? happened to remember it just in time to flip it on and I did get to see the uh closest to the pin challenge. And so they actually oh, yeah. went to a golf course. So this was this was really done. Like I thought it was gonna be somehow makeshift in a in a stadium, but no, they went to a golf course. So all of this was pre-recorded, and uh, the punter for the Cowboys, uh, Brian Anger, he stepped up big, and I think he hit Ooh. it to like uh, two or three feet or something like that. It was a really he wow. had a great golf swing. Actually, the two punters that were in the contest had really great um, golf swings. And then uh, Kyle Hamilton, he had an opportunity to. Uh, tie it up or whatever if he was able to get it inside the bullseye circle his first attempt looked beautiful he just hit it too far and his second attempt uh he pulled off the dreaded word he shanked it Ooh, i'm not surprised about the punters i mean they got lots of time <laughs> so <laughs> yes. all, all all punters and kickers should be really good golfers i would think if they want to golf uh the kyle i'm impressed with kyle hamilton was even in the running there because that guy's a He's tall and rangy and fast and a great athlete, but you know, no pun intended here, no insult in pun intended here. Um, you know, there are so, several good athletes that are really great golfers, but usually that's not what I associate with great golfers. That's fair, yeah. He, uh, Like I said, the first swing was really beautiful. Uh, he just hit it way too far and maybe was a little amped up a little bit. And then the second one, uh, <laughs> I think he wanted it too much and everything was moving in all sorts of directions, head flying when you're not supposed to, and off the hosel it went. <laughs> well, I can relate to the uh, sh you know, shank thing for sure. Can't re can't relate to the great athlete thing at all. <laughs> So, uh, yes, I tuned in to get to see that, but I will not be tuning in for the flag football Pro Bowl contest. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, don't, don't, people, don't call me if you know me. Don't call me. That's not, I probably won't answer anyway, but uh, don't, I'm not going to, you know, tune into the Pro Bowl. All ever. right. I don't think, I, I don't think I've ever watched one snap ever of any Pro Bowl, any Pro Bowl game ever. And I'm talking like, that play, they used to play that thing in like the 60s, and I didn't even watch it then. I just, you know, maybe my dad said, you don't want to watch this. This is worse your time. And he was a smart man. <laughs> uh, yes, it sounds like he was through the stories over the years. 
Uh, let's set the scene for hour number two here with the KDOS1060.com poll question, which is, are you watching fewer NBA games because of the frequent games missed by elite players? And the masses continue to be on the yes side of things at 75% of the vote, no sitting at 25%, a question that we'll officially answer around 1230 today. Over on X at KDOS AM 1060, will Kansas suffer a rare Home court loss on Saturday versus Houston. No leading the way at 76.9% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 23.1%. Also a question that gets answered around 1230. And if you have some time this afternoon or ahead of the game on Saturday, podcast Bob's interview with Matt Tate, R1S1sports.com, as he broke down Kansas hoops and also a little bit of a preview about how good and why the Big 12 has been such a great basketball conference so far. Will uh, make room for Kyle Soppy Pro Football Network around 12.15 today for an early look at some Super Bowl props. Uh, we'll also have the $100 gift certificate from Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. The weekend specials for you, certified Angus Beef Choice Grill Steaks at $12.99 a pound, prime boneless butterfly pork chops at $4.99 a pound, and 8-ounce chicken skewers, rosemary, and butcher's blend at 2 for $10. Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, located 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler, and pay them a visit online at vonhansensmeats.net. Briefly, let's go through what transpired last night for ASU men's basketball as they lost to Stanford 71-62. The struggles absolutely continue here. 38.3% from the floor, 25% from three. They were out-rebounded 45-33 to on the night. After starting Pac-12 play 4-0, ASU is now 1-5 in their last six. They got outscored 17 to 2 to end the game. They led 60 to 54. It was 17 to 2 the rest of the way. They issued half court offense, which has been an issue, um, to put it mildly. Uh, much of the season was awful last night. Even when they were ahead, it was awful last night. How did the team score just 62 points in a 40 minute game? They had 33 in the first half, 29 in the second half. As you mentioned, the shooting percentages, the biggest thing, they're a bad three-point shooting team and have been all year. They keep jacking them up. They took 32 threes yesterday, 32. They shot 25% just from three. They're not good at it, but they keep jacking them up. I'm a little confused why that happens. Uh, just give you an idea. On this season, they're shooting 29.7% from three-point range which is 332nd in the nation. I believe there's 354 teams in the nation that play you know, Division I college basketball. They're 332 out of 354, and they keep jacking up threes. Uh, bottom line, I mentioned uh, during the introduction of the Sports Zone today that I thought that the uh, ASU basketball season is on life support. Uh, I think that that's where we're at right now. And it would obviously take now a miraculous run in the Pac-12 tournament to salvage anything this season. Uh, I think that we're at the point now where I don't think they're a bad team uh, because we've seen them at least perform well against a couple of pretty good opponents. Uh, but I think that we can officially say for sure 
without any hesitation that this is a, at best a below average team. That's fair. They'll play Cal tomorrow, 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. As for U of A men's basketball, they cruised to victory over Cal, 91-65 for them. They shot 50.8% from the floor, 29.2% from three, however, but they did out-rebound Cal uh, 51-32, and they held Cal to 37.1% from the floor. And Cal has improved, but they're clearly still the least talented team in the Pac-12. And then in basketball this year, the Pac-12 has reached a new low. Um, This is not a good conference at all. Uh, I think there's U of A if they play well. Uh, Colorado, if they're healthy, uh, I think are really the only two teams that can even win a game in the NCAA tournament, even playing their best. I think that those are the only two teams that can win a game in the NCAA tournament. I can't imagine there's a scenario where where more than three teams actually make the NCAA tournament from the Pac-12. The U of A favored by 18 and a half last night. They led by 20 at halftime. They ended up winning the game by 26. Um, you know, basically, um, actually, if you had Pac-12 Network yesterday, you didn't get to see much of the second half because it went dark. Uh, you know, there was some kind of transmission problem, I assume, from Tucson. Uh, and after a, a few minute lull there of just basically a dark screen, uh, they went to uh, you know, studio programming and showed Pac 12 women's basketball highlights from the Pac 12 tournament last year. But you didn't miss much. I mean, it, wasn't, it was a terrible game before it actually went dark. And, uh, you know, what we expected, they just, you know, basically they led from start to finish. Uh, they were up by 20, uh, literally like 10 minutes into the game. They were ahead by 20 uh, and they just kind of cruised their way along. And, yeah, the second half, even though I didn't see much of it or hardly any of it, I don't think was any really different than we've seen before. Sunday is an interesting game for the U of A, however, because they do play Stanford. And uh, for those of you who don't remember, who are already already, uh, maybe they were, you know, some people were probably out partying on New Year's Eve at like two o'clock in the afternoon when this game was played. Uh, but they played in uh, Palo Alto on New Year's Eve, and the Juve lost that game 100 to 82. They gave up 100 points. We just talked about how ASU can't score more than 62 in a 40-minute game. The Juve allowed 100 in a 40-minute game. To Stanford, this is the revenge game in Tucson. (laughs) Yeah, and that'll get underway 6 p.m. on FS1. Briefly chiming in around the world of the NFL, the Raiders are expected to hire Cliff Kingsbury as their offensive coordinator. As a reminder, from 2019 to 2022, when Cliff was the head coach of the Cardinals and offensive play caller for the team, the team averaged 26 point or excuse me, 23.6 points per game. In 2021, that was their best year. Uh, they averaged 26.4 points per game and went 11 and six. Some of the biggest criticisms with Cliff have been uh, the lack of quarterback play from under center, so you're not really able to disguise some different looks to keep defenses off balance. Uh, And then also... 
defenses seemingly getting a beat on what they're trying to do toward the second half of the season. But when Antonio Pierce was talking to the media about what he wanted from an offensive coordinator, I think he kind of tongue in cheek throughout. Uh, I want an offensive coordinator that's going to put up 24 points a game. Well, Cliff nearly averaged that with the Cardinals. I think all those criticisms are fair. However, I do think he's a good offensive coach yeah, based on his Texas Tech and and uh, Cardinals days. And, uh, yeah, really, I didn't have that much of a problem uh, with his play calling when he was here, uh, especially towards the end of the time because they basically had to throw every down because they were losing. Uh, so they were chasing points seemingly when the game started in those games. I mean, the one thing that I don't think there's a roster, a player on their roster right now that is capable of running really, that really shouldn't be an NFL starting quarterback to begin with, but is capable of running an offense that Kingsbury wants to run. If we go by Kingsbury's history, I know there's this rumor out there that Russell Wilson's going to get traded to the Raiders, which I find pretty difficult to believe because I don't think Sean Payton and the Broncos are going to trade Russell Wilson to a team that's in the same division. Uh, but who knows? That's happened before. Uh, you know, Drew Bledsoe got traded to the same team, uh, team in his division. So anything's crazy and could happen and whatever. But uh, I doubt that happens. But right now, I have no problem with the Raiders going for Kingsbury here to be their offensive coordinator. I just don't think there's a quarterback on their roster that comes close to fitting in what he wants to do based on his history. And with that in mind, the rumor mill has started that somehow, some way, there's going to be a finagling of getting uh, Caleb Williams. Also seen people trying to connect the dots with Jaden Daniels and his time with Antonio Pierce at ASU. Well, if you want to get Caleb Williams, you got to get the first pick. And I don't think the Bears need any more first-round picks at this point after the, you know, the trade they made last year. Uh, when they had the first round pick at that time. So that does, seems to be an impossible situation for me. Uh, unless Caleb Williams is not the first pick of the draft, which it would be really a stupid move by the Bears. But uh, for somebody that lived in Chicago and uh, you know, semi covered the Bears for a few years there, for you know, half a day, you know, more than, almost a whole decade, uh, they've done a lot of dumb things in the past. But it's still the same ownership. <laughs> so, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they'll be dumb again. But it seems as if the, uh, you know, the current Bears administration, front office people and decision makers have a clue of how to build a team because they've done a really good job of tearing it down and starting to build it back up in the last half of this last, uh, the 2023 season. So I think they're... Made some good moves. I don't think they're dumb enough to pass on Caleb Williams at this point. Plus, if uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to – maybe they can trade Justin Fields to the Raiders. How about that? That's more likely than uh, trading for the first-round pick and drafting Caleb Williams. Uh, the Browns are letting Bill Callahan out of his contract so that he can go join his son, Brian Callahan, who became the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. So he's likely going to be the offensive coordinator there for the Titans. And then you also have reports surfacing about Chip Kelly as a potential candidate to become the commander's offensive coordinator. If something officially happens there, I'm sure we'll dive into it next week. It's Kyle Soppy, though, time from Pro Football Network next. Teams Out West brings NFL, NBA, MLB, and local sports talk to you Monday night starting at 7 on KTUS AM 1060 and the KTUS 1060 app. 
Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. I know we have no football this weekend, but it doesn't mean we don't uh, and can't look ahead to the Super Bowl the following Sunday. Props are already up, and Kyle Soppy with Pro Football Network and PFNBetting.com is here to help us sort through some early looks and early leans. It's Bob and Kayla. Kyle, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm trying to reconcile what I'm going to do this weekend with no football. I guess you've got the Pro Bowl and things like that, but I am looking forward to the Super Bowl. we got two great teams, two great quarterbacks, nothing not to like. Absolutely. Before we get into some early looks at the Super Bowl, I did want to take uh, a minute to ask you and look back on the season here. Did anything stand out to you? Any trends stand out over the course of the season that kind of remained consistent or anything jump out to you that changed throughout the season? I think it was a little bit surprising the way some of these great teams had just unexplainable lapses for two, three, four weeks at a time here. We saw it with the Ravens. We saw it with the 49ers. We've obviously seen it with the Chiefs. The Dolphins went through their sort of thing. So I think in this era where there's so much talent, so widespread, and the versatility at the quarterback position that encourages variance is that no team is going to be bulletproof right now. I mean, the Ravens were as close to that. As we saw, they fell apart at the worst possible time. The two teams playing in the Super Bowl had months or weeks at the very least, if not a month at a time, where we thought, you know, their time had kind of come and gone. So I, I'm looking at next season from a macro standpoint instead of the micro and getting too caught up in game to game and looking more month by month and, and just kind of seeing the season as a whole as opposed to a bunch of individual weeks. I think that's a good way to go about things for sure. Uh, my first up, my apologies. I don't have that much to offer today. One week before the game, I needed to rest my brain for a few days for football. I promise I'll bring it next week. But a couple things that definitely catch my, you know, I'm curious about. I've actually been betting sports since the 1970s, uh, late 70s. I understand the value of uh, early line betting. How much do these prop bet prices change uh, with the Super Bowl props? It's funny you say that, and line shopping and early bets and all that stuff is a great way to attack the Super Bowl. It's, it's a little less fun because, like you said, there's a week off, people aren't thinking about it, then you get to Wednesday of the Super Bowl week and everybody wants to pile on. So there is some movement, not as much. It, these prop bets, when it comes to player props, I mean, you're talking a couple of yards make a big difference here. Brock Purdy's passing number has already gone up. It's already come back. Isaiah Pacheco's rushing yards has kind of been steady. So you look at things like that, I prefer to get out in front of it, but the Super Bowl is such a casually bet thing that I'm not even sure the line movement is as sharp as it would be in week seven of the regular season because you're talking a bunch of new money that isn't the sharpest, and I don't think books are too willing to react and move their numbers too early in the process. Once we, By the time next week hits, I think these lines are going to be pretty stable. You'll know the markets you're getting into. Kyle Soppy, Pro Football Network. Follow all of their work over at pfnbetting.com. Let's start here with Super Bowl MVP. I think this is kind of funny because uh, right now the 49ers are favored by uh, two and a half, but MVP odds are Patrick Mahomes at plus 135, Brock Purdy at plus 200. It's kind of become this offensive award and especially a quarterback award as well. Christian McCaffrey plus 450, Travis Kelsey 17 to 1. Is Super Bowl MVP now become a an award that you just stay away from? 
It is for me personally. If you were going to go that route, I guess you could say Mahomes instead of betting the Chiefs on the money line because the the two right. seem pretty correlated and you're getting another 20 cents of value. If you mm-hmm. want to go that way, it's hard to see the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl without Mahomes getting the trophy at the end. But then you've got the whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift narrative, and there's a lot of things to challenge there. I don't typically bet this way, but if I was going to go that route at all, it would be on Mahomes instead of the Chiefs money line. Yeah, game game script, he tried to say. Uh, At least for me, it has plenty to do with prop betting. Uh, I heard on uh, Thursday that uh, a team rushing prop, or excuse me, a team, uh, the team that has the most first downs. There's a prop out there for that. I would assume that if somebody believes the 49ers are going to win, that they would uh, likely have them with the most rushing first downs. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, and that's the thing, there's, so many of those kind of one-off props that we wouldn't get on a normal basis. I tend to agree with you on the premise there. I think that I kind of think the 49ers are probably the better bet in that regardless, unless you think the Chiefs just blow them out, but more of a dink and dunk short hitting offense. Not that the Chiefs are explosive these days, but the Chiefs are more likely to hit one over the top with a Marquez Valdez Stanley or something along those lines. Whereas the, the 49ers, we know, Debo Samuel used as a running back slash flex weapon, whatever you want to call him. George Kittle, great at moving the chains, and obviously Christian McCaffrey is there as well. Brendan Ayuk stretches the field to a degree, but he's probably going to get shadow coverage. So you're looking at Brock Purdy, a more conservative offense, which is where I would go if I was targeting the first down market. I lean the 49ers, especially if you think they're going to win the game. You talked about how there's a whole lot more props out here that we would never get week to week in the regular season. And one of those things is, you know, how, when are points going to be scored? Sometimes things tend to get off to a slow start in the Super Bowl. That also kind of leads into some of the prevailing thoughts about unders in the first uh, halves, et cetera, here with all the hype. Teams maybe not wanting to make that big mistake early and have it snowball. Points scored in the first three minutes of the game, yes, is sitting at plus 680. The first five minutes of the game, yes, is sitting at plus 198. First six minutes of the game, yes, at plus 108. Do you like taking any action on these sorts of props, and and what do you think might happen game script-wise? Yeah, you're all over it. Teams generally don't want to mess up in the early going. They get aggressive as the game goes on. Kansas City's been a great team with second-half unders, but I think you're right here that a slow start is very possible. No points in the first six minutes. Cashing six of the last seven Super Bowls. It's cashing 15 to 20 Chiefs games this season, including eight of the last nine and three of the last four for the 49ers. So you get that at-plus money. I realize it's not too fun to sit down on your couch with all your friends, all the snacks and everything, and say, I don't want any points. No excitement in these first six minutes, which end up being, you know, like 37 minutes of real time. It's not the most exciting bet, but it is plus money. It is where my money will be in the first quarter. For somebody that's betting unders for the last you know, 40 years of my life on a more frequent basis than betting a game over, I totally understand that theory. So I, I, you know, I, I get the, you know, you have to sit there and you know, wait, and it's aggravating sometimes, but I think it's, uh, for me, it's been a better percentage play historically. Uh, speaking of historically, uh, first TD score, uh, going back to my days when I lived in Las Vegas and when I, when, uh, after I moved to Las Vegas from sh- to Chicago for a while, I used to go back to Vegas for the Super Bowl every year. I remember an Imperial Palace, you're a, you're a Packers fan, Kyle, but back in the 90s, the Packers were in the Super Bowl. 
And I remember Mike Mark Chamura was a guy that was tight end for them. Oh they were playing the Broncos. Yeah. The Broncos were awful defending tight ends. So I bet Chamura at eighteen to one at the Imperial Palace to win uh, to get the first touchdown or get a touchdown, actually a touchdown. And he got it, and uh, that hit, and uh, just basically drank the rest of the game. Didn't pay much attention to the rest of the game. So it was just a celebration <laughs> thing. I know it'd be a long shot, uh, but is there anything similar to you know, a, a guy that could score a touchdown in the in the Super Bowl that you know, would uh, bring us a nice profit? I don't know about eighteen to one was kind of an inflated number. That was just one casino, and you know, I don't know how much the volume was and so forth. But you can. That, that, that's my irrational uh, you know, thought process here. Is there somebody that would maybe that could score a touchdown would be a high price? I mean, there's a lot of chalk here. We've got a lot of star power here. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's going off at minus 225 to score. He's the favorite to score the first touchdown at plus 340. Even that's not really getting my blood boiling in this spot. If you want a long shot, you want something to root for, Brock Purdy. I mean, we saw him running – like nothing we yeah. saw last week, and you can't think that that kind of regresses with all the chips and all the legacy and everything on the line this week. He's 28-1 to 1 to score the first touchdown. That, that might be a little aggressive, but he's over 5-1 to 1 to score at all. If, he's gonna, if they're going to get close, obviously the Chiefs are going to buckle up on Christian McCaffrey and his 20-plus touchdowns. Rasheed Rice, everybody knows about him. Travis Kelsey isn't sneaking up on anybody on the Chiefs side either. So if you look at Brock Purdy, Understanding that the Chiefs create pressure at the second highest rate in the entire NFL, if he's, if this mobility that we saw from him last week is at least sustainable for another week, I could see him getting in there. You probably don't get it through the sneaks, but a little four-yard run if he's feeling the heat and can't get anybody open. I, I, there's worse ways to spend a couple, couple of bucks than 28-1 to to score the first touchdown. Well, let's stick there with Brock Purdy here. And we did see his legs on display. And, and uh, honestly, that was helping them win that game. Uh, how about Brock Purdy, though? It's just sitting at 11 and a half rushing yards. And if you wanted to not uh, get into any sort of if you think the 49ers are going to win and any sort of taking knees late in the end of the game, if you wanted to go with his longest rush prop at over under seven and a half, uh, do you think that that's worth a look? I get the angle, and I very much appreciate not wanting to get out in front of the knees thing. I can't imagine a worse way to spend a Super Bowl Sunday night than sweating out knees and hoping it doesn't happen. So I'm with you and not going to the yardage total. I'm not that intrigued in going the over just because this is kind of the first time we saw it. I mean, he had the five carries for 48 yards last week, but that's basically more than he had in the final two months of the regular season. He hasn't been hitting seven very often at all. He hit it a couple of times during the regular season. He can do it. This high-pressure rate, like I said earlier, it, you, can, I, you can look sideways and get there. You can squint hard enough. You can see it. But I think there's better coin flips, player props to target than Brock Purdy on the ground. Okay. This is probably not a better player prop either. This is a crazy question. Going back to my history again, I did a show every night at the Bally's Sportsbook in Las Vegas in the early 90s. Uh, a regular listener of that show actually bought me a Who Wins the Coin Toss ticket. Uh, I'm curious, uh, does that prop bet even exist anymore? It does, but I think you're kind of crazy. If you're watching this, if you're watching the Super Bowl with anybody, flip a coin with your buddy. It's juice free. That way, you get a free ten bucks or whatever, and there's no juice <laughs> taken out of it. You could go. You could say tails never fails. If you want to play that narrative, put it in on a sports book and you know give them, allow them to build a taller building somewhere else. Be my guest. I'm not gonna. <laughs> 
I'm not going to do it, but if you need a pick from me, I will say tails. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, just a bit for the record, I don't even remember whether I cashed that ticket or not. I just remember somebody bought me the <laughs> ticket. I thought it was the craziest thing of all time. Somebody just bought me a ticket for a coin toss to win the Super Bowl. Kyle Soppy, Pro Football Network. Follow all of their work over at pfnbetting.com. I haven't seen his number yet for longest reception, but I'm going down this crazy train here. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He is the deep threat for the Chiefs. Uh, we saw him make a couple of catches in that Bills game and the Chiefs game, and to seal and ice the game, they went deep there. Uh, they found him an opportunity there. So what do we think about those sorts of small opportunities. So really kind of isolating there in the longest reception prop. If you're going to go that direction, the long longest reception in the Super Bowl right now, you can get MBS at 10 to one on DraftKings. I don't mind the idea behind that. If you're going to bet him, if you're pro Valdez Scantling in a game like this, you might as well bet him to have the longest reception because any catch he has is more than likely going to be a big play to some degree. And I'm not out here trying to root for MBS to have a couple of catches throughout the game. I want him to hit the big play because that's what he's there for, right? I mean, he ended the game last week with the big play. That's how they're going to do this. And maybe Kansas City's playing from behind and they got to take some shots deep and things like that. You could tell yourself the story to get to 10 to 1. It's not a play I'm necessarily looking to play, but in the longest reception of the game market, he's definitely the name that sticks out. Kyle Soppy, Pro Football Network, pfnbetting.com here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. All right, so is anything else that you are initially leaning toward as we still have yet another conversation to go next Friday? I'm, I'm in on Isaiah Pacheco right now. I mean, I've got his over on rushing yards at 66 and a half and his longest carry gaining over 15 and a half yards. The 49ers 30th this season in rush EPA. Pacheco's got at least 15 carries in eight of his last nine games. And we've seen it this year. We saw it last year. The man gets harder to tackle as the season wears on. Like, that's not rocket science here. He runs as hard as anybody in the league, and the 49ers have struggled to contain the run. If this game's close, they stay committed to the, game, to the run game throughout. So I'm loading up on Pacheco rushing over. That is uh, a great idea. I concur on that one. <laughs> And we will uh, leave it there, and we will talk to you next Friday as uh, we'll officially be set for the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Try to have some fun this weekend with no football, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Hey, there's plenty of basketball to be played. I'm not too worried. I'll talk to you guys next week. Sounds great. Thanks. Thank you. That's Kyle Soppy there, Pro Football Network and pfnbetting.com. All right, it's time for you to be a winner of the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. Caller number 3-602-260-1060. You are today's winner. Caller number 3. And make sure you're coming with your big game play as uh, we still have two weeks left to go for that contest. But we'll roll it over into next Sunday. We're 14-6 and six on the season, so looking to finish the year strong 602-260-1060 though is the number caller number three you are today's winner of the $100 gift certificate to Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits with their weekend specials here certified Angus beef choice grill steaks at $12.99 a pound prime boneless butterfly pork chops at $4.99 a pound eight ounce chicken skewers rosemary and butcher's blend two for ten dollars Von Hansen's Meats.net 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. We have poll questions on the other side of the break.
SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. Thanks to Kyle Soppy, Pro Football Network, for his time on the program. Looking forward to catching up with him next week ahead of the big game. Congratulations to our Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits $100 gift certificate winner. And the bet for the big game is Chiefs plus two and a half. So that'll be something that we'll be monitoring as we get closer to uh, the big game. And as you pointed out, this game has kind of been fluctuating a little bit. One and a half, uh, two and a half is probably the best number that I've seen here uh, as we've continued on into the week. It's the best number I've seen. I didn't even know it existed uh, anywhere until you just told me that during the break. Uh, I haven't seen anything other than two, one and a half since late Sunday or, you know, first time I paid attention to this on Sunday night. So that's a, that's a spectacular number. If you're on that side, I would suggest that you get involved uh, as fast as you can because I don't think the numbers stand. Uh, it is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. But it's that time once again. It's time to get into our poll questions of the day. And let's get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. Are you watching fewer NBA games because of the frequent games missed by elite players? Uh, I'm the wrong person to really probably answer this question because other than the Suns, I've watched very few NBA regular season games from far, uh, from start to finish for many years. Uh, however, if I were a fan, I would find it incredibly frustrating uh, to tune in to watch a nationally televised game and at least one of the marquee players is sitting out. And it seems like with high frequency even more this year than even last year, this is occurring. Uh, the NBA has tried a whole bunch of things uh, to provide uh, incentive uh, for the stars to play, uh, but apparently that's not working, including obviously last night when LeBron and AD didn't play in the game at Boston, and then the Lakers won the game anyway, which I'm you know, sort of laughing uh, out loud at uh, that actually happened. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, you know, no NBA player, no doubt, is 100% physically once we get to the month of February. Uh, but I did hear some talking heads on Thursday. They suggested LeBron and Davis were sitting out because they want Darvin Ham to be fired. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Jeannie Buss, as recently as last week, uh, in her seemingly almost daily plea, uh, says that Darvin Ham's not going to be fired. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, anyway, uh, this is just another example of why the NBA, for at least 50 years, uh, the regular season is, in most ways, a complete waste of time. Yeah, I definitely have not watched as many NBA games, uh, you know, the the TNT ESPN games that uh, would normally hold your interest and you'd sit down and at least catch a few minutes knowing that some of the star players aren't playing up against each other, uh, going head to head and also just seeing uh, the, the possible 
lineups and things on the court, it, it's it certainly has been disappointing, but this has been going on for a while now. I also want to take it, I guess, a step further and talk about like the competitiveness because like, okay, yes, in this particular instance, uh, the Lakers players that were given the chance to start, given the chance to play in that game against the Celtics came to play. The Celtics maybe didn't have that same intensity and uh, the Lakers end up going into Boston and winning the game even without their star players. Uh, So those sorts of things happen as well. But also it seems like when we even get into playoff games that series will be close like oh this series is all tied up 2-2 but the game itself game one was a blowout one direction game two was a blowout the other direction we're not seeing the as frequent hotly contested games night in and night out and that part is a little uh discouraging as well i might beg to differ on that uh yeah because the playoffs is pretty much the only thing i watch uh these days uh, other than the suns games and uh, I've actually been pretty satisfied with the level of play in the postseason for several years running. I don't remember the last time I was pretty disgusted about it. Actually, I do, but that was the pandemic year, so that doesn't count, right? I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't count anything in sports from that year to be relevant. But I've actually, I, I, I love the playoffs. Uh, and uh, I don't remember a year recently other than the, the pandemic season and the bubble where I just thought, man, at the uh, end of the playoffs, I just was disappointed. Uh, so there's been series, obviously, including a couple of final series, because the Eastern Conference has been so inferior in some of these years to the West. I don't think that there, it, uh, I don't think there's as big a disparity between the conferences this year than there has been in past years, assuming all the good players are actually playing. Uh, the masses, they're on the yes side of things at 71% of the vote, no trailing at 29%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Tossing this on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Bob had a great conversation with Matt Tate, R1S1Sports.com. If you missed it, talking all things Kansas hoops, Big 12 hoops as well. Will Kansas suffer a rare home court loss on Saturday versus Houston? And uh, if they can't find a way to limit the aggression of Houston on the glass, then it could be, and it could result there in a loss. However, if this game stays close, then you kind of have to give the edge to Kansas. It seems like they find more times than not to pull things out late in games when they are playing at home. But I think uh, if Houston doesn't get overwhelmed by being in Allen Fieldhouse, uh, Houston has a phenomenal chance of getting and walking away with the victory yeah i'm actually going to say yes i think that houston wins this game i just tried to check and i actually checked a couple hours ago and just tried again a couple of minutes ago something's up with the ken palm uh website at least for me uh today maybe it's me but i don't think so because i'm getting to other websites without any problem uh but usually you know i haven't seen a line for this game or these games posted maybe somebody's posted i would assume somebody will this afternoon to get a little action on these games before they're played on Saturday and Sunday, this tremendous array of college basketball we're going to see this weekend. Uh, but uh, you usually uh, on Friday afternoons when I'm starting to look at how might I, you know, how might these games stack up, uh, the Ken Palm numbers are definitely a part of the formula for many odds makers to, you know, 
you know, basically for their opening numbers for the actual games themselves. But like I said, I can I couldn't find anything. I assume Kansas is going to be a small home favorite because they almost never lose at home with Bill Self. I believe he's been there for like 20 years. They have not lost like 20 games period at home since he's been there total. Uh, so, you know, they're always a home favorite no matter what it seems like and uh, for good reason. Uh, but I think there's some things going on here. Kansas is not as good as it has been. They're basically a four-man team. And the second-best player, Kevin McCuller Jr., uh, Matt told us in, uh, during the sports zone he expects McCuller to play. He didn't play on Tuesday night. I wonder even if he does play, if he's going to be 100%. He has to be an elite player in this game for them to beat uh, Houston. He's one of their uh, few rebounders. They've got two or three guys that are really good rebounders, but – uh, and that's how, you know, you know, Houston, as we mentioned earlier, is just kind of an offensive rebounding machine. If they missed a shot, they, you know, a very high percentage of them getting the offensive rebound. Also, Houston is the king of the loose ball. And uh, they're the best team at this and have been for several years in college basketball, best good team at least of doing that. I think they get the loose balls no matter whether McCuller plays or not. Uh, I will be taking the, uh, as many points as I can grab with uh, Houston, whatever that is, on Saturday, and uh, maybe even a little money line because I actually think right now that they're a better team than Kansas, even if McCullough is healthy as in playing. And if he does play, like I said, I can't imagine he's going to be 100%. So I'm on the Cougars and uh, Calvin Sampson on that game. This is also one of the rare games that I don't think Bill Self will just outcoach the opponent. Uh, and uh, you know, so I think that uh, that that game, the, the coaching matchup is a wash in this game, and that almost never happens for a Bell Self team, especially in a close game. The masses are on the no side of things at 76.9% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 23.1%. This is over on X at KDOS AM 1060. That game actually gets things started in the weekend of four matchups between top 10 teams. Number four, Houston traveling to number eight, Kansas, Saturday, 2 p.m. on ESPN. Number seven, Duke at number three, UNC, Saturday at 4.30 p.m. on ESPN. Number five, Tennessee at number 10, Kentucky, Saturday, 6.30 p.m. on ESPN. And then on Sunday, it's number six, Wisconsin at number two, Purdue, Sunday, 11 a.m. on CBS. We have one final segment to go on the other side of the break as we wrap up this Friday, February 2nd, as well as the whole week here on KDOS AM 1060. Back after this. Have you downloaded the KDOS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. Final segment of this Friday, February 2nd, right here on KDOS AM 1060. It is the extra point. That time, once again, though, Bob, it is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guests today. Uh, we had a Kansas and Big 12 discussion uh, with Matt Tate from R1S1 Sports. And also an early Super Bowl prop bet segment with Kyle Sapi of Pro Football Network. Sound day courtesy of TNT, CBS Sports, 
ESPN, uh, Pac-12 Networks, also ACC Digital Network, Big Ten Network, a lot of networks there. Uh, and also special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 o'clock, it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. And then the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6 tonight. Also tonight, it's the Suns at the Hawks. That'll be a 5.30 game on 3TV. Uh, we want to take a brief look at what's going on at the AT&T Pebble Beach. Out in front is Thomas Dietrich. Uh, he shot nine under par yesterday. He's two under through eight so far on his round today. 11 under par sitting atop the leaderboard. Ludwig Aberg is uh, nine under par, five under today. He's sitting in second. Then you have a whole bunch of players. Uh, Justin Thomas, Emiliano Grillo, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Cantlay sitting at eight under par in a tie for third. A guy that we need to root for, Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, he's in a tie for seventh at seven under par. Victor Hovland, another guy we need to root for. He's uh, sitting at five under par, two under so far through his day. And then if I can, in this can load fast enough i can try to find out where your man tom brady is sitting at uh let's, my man yeah your man uh he's in a tie for eighth right now at 11 under par as he's paired up with keegan bradley uh so that's where brady is on the no, leaderboard no michigan man will ever be my man ever <laughs> you know what though so far he is besting the quarterbacks Ooh. Yep. Aaron Rodgers is sitting in a tie for 13th, and Josh Allen is in a tie for 20th. Okay, you got a bad Achilles and a guy whose arm is too strong to play golf. That's my guess <laughs> on Josh Allen. <laughs> Things are going well. Uh, okay. As always, though, thank you all for listening. Enjoy your weekend and pay a visit over to our friends at Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, 2390 North Alma School Road in Chandler. We're wrapping up uh, the football season long uh, 16 and four next week. We'll find out how we accumulate our uh, season long opportunities for charity. We're looking forward to being back with you though on Monday.